listening to a Drishti Point podcast. Please visit our website for more inspiring interviews on yoga, spirituality, and wellness. Good afternoon and welcome to Drishti Point. My name is Ron Vell and I'm delighted to welcome you to our show. Today I am delighted to welcome our special guest, Swami, excuse me, Paramahamsa Swami Maheshwarananda, the spiritual head of the Yoga in Daily Life path, yoga path. And I'd like to welcome you, Swami, again to Vancouver. You've been here for a few days and uh, been giving workshops and talks. And I'd like to welcome you also to our studio. Thank you very much. God bless you. God bless you, too. Uh, Swamiji was born in 1945 in Rajasthan in northwestern India. And he began studying at the Sri Madhavananda Ashram at the age of 13. And as I mentioned earlier, he founded the Yoga and Daily Life Path. And on his route, he spent many, many years in Vienna. He was sent there in the early 70s, I believe, right. to spread yoga to the West. And your previous master, I believe, your master was Paramahansa Swami Madhavananda, who left his body, uh, took Mahasamadhi in 2003. Is that correct? Yes, not a previous master, but my master. Your master, That's yes, right. of course. Master is always there. Even he's left his physical body, but he's still there. He is. Thank you for that. So today uh, we're going to be focusing on gaining some clarity about some things and uh, focus on some topics that I know are very important to your path and to your students and to perhaps students on spiritual paths everywhere. And we can start perhaps with something that you uh, talked about on Friday evening at one of your programs. And there was a question that you asked that I really liked because I think there were many levels to that question based on the twinkle in your eye. Yes, please. There was the question when you asked everybody, have they heard of the word kundalini uh, or kundalini right. shakti? Right. And, you know, how many hadn't actually heard the word? And one or two people put their hands up. And you looked around and said, yes, many of you have heard of it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yes, I've heard of this and had some experience. But I think there was a lot more to that question that a lot of us could have put our hands up to. And I'm wondering if we could start perhaps there with why this particular focus on Kundalini in the program, what was important for you to communicate at that point? Well, uh, Kundalini Shakti is the cosmic Shakti. These are three major things in the universe. The space, the consciousness, and the energy. It is that energy which awake the consciousness in the space and universe. That energy becomes as a creative energy and it leads the consciousness towards the creation. In this endless universe, there are thousands of sun systems, stars, planets, but all is created by one energy and that consciousness, cosmic consciousness. That energy prevails in all the atoms and in the space. 
so that cosmic energy is known as kundalini that kundalini shakti power is not only in the humans but the vegetations the elements and everywhere but on this planet what we call the living planet uh where the creator has created 8.4 millions different creatures one of them is the human and in human body that shakti or kundalini has more influence or more meanings and that is located in different parts of the body what we call the chakra if this energy awakes then the human consciousness is purified from so called the ignorance and it unites to the cosmic consciousness what we call the divine the self atma not the soul and it liberates the practitioners from the cycle of birth and death that dormant energy in human body in muladhar chakra we have many many chakras but eight chakras are very important muladhar swadhisthan manipur anahad vishuddhi agya bindu and sahasrar in the book hidden powers in humans from the yoga and daily life which i have written is described very beautifully and in very simple language everyone can understand so awakening of the kundalini means awakening of the wisdom awakening of the kundalini means awakening of the contentment awakening of the kundalini means awakening of the cosmic love equal love towards all creatures and to this creation awakening of the kundalini means that divine light which we call the light of the god and awakening of the kundalini leads to the physical mental social and spiritual health so according to the practicing of yoga in daily life the awakening of the kundalini is harmonizing body mind and soul that a human can lead happy and relaxed and divine life mm. and that's why i take this subject called kundalini yoga You know the kundalini it's a term that we hear in so many different 
classes, texts. It is such a central tenet or idea on the path of yoga, of which there are many facets and ways. And it struck me that when you asked the question, and I could say, well, I've had certainly some experience from understanding at some level, some experience of it at some level, there is uh, what seems to be an urgency to, at least in our Western culture, to read a little bit, take a few classes, sometimes push for that awakening without truly understanding what it is that's going on. There is, a, And then there's a rush in some cases to go out and teach something that's not fully comprehended. And I've certainly seen, and many people I know have seen, teachers that advertise, you know, Kundalini awakening. And yet the mystics and the great masters, yourself as well, has, you know, have talked about the importance of being aware of what people are getting into, that this is not a game. You know, this is not a marketing push. There's something very important to this. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that importance of the term that comes up for me is studentship or discipleship and that relationship and how something like this can must be deepened. Well, it's a very nice uh, question or a commentary or explanation. My master used to say, a seed takes time to grow in a large tree. Similarly, awakening of that divine cosmic energy takes time because the field should be prepared, ready, and right season should come that we can put the seed. So, I would say it is a mistake a big mistake to tell the audience uh, in some lectures come to me and in weekend you can experience the awakening of the Kundalini it's not like that you see the many great saints in Himalayas and in many other places they spend their whole life carefully to understand the life and this divine Shakti. Awakening of Kundalini is not kind of what people call electric shock <laughs> <laughs> or something like ants are crawling on your back or you feel unpleasant or suddenly you have so many visions. This is a schizophrenic. <laughs> this is what the people used to uh, do la before the uh, last three centuries what they call LSD, drug. Mm. And then they had uh, many, many visions. And But that was not awakening of Kundalini, nor divine consciousness. That's a confusion, disturbing of the balanced human consciousness. So the we have to understand what Kundalini is. This evening I'm going to talk again, uh, that my... Uh, lecture satsang will be and given awakening of the inner peace and meditation so we have to awake that inner peace the contentment through practicing of kundalini yoga exercises which in yoga and daily life we have many beautiful and very 
gentle and very safe exercises which will give us contentment and inner peace so kundalini is like a mother when mother comes the child is automatically very happy very relaxed there is no restlessness there is no conflicts so that is the divine mother awakening in this divine consciousness in this human body mm. so kundalini we can talk we can understand through reading because reading will inspire us listening will also motivate us and when we come to practice then we will realize that we need a time to achieve mm. on the day when you begins to practice your kundalini is already awakened but to understand that awakening we have to master it slowly slowly under sorry, sorry under the satguru a, a master who went through this process so some philosopher said tons of theory is nothing compared with a gram of practice practice makes perfect and practice needs lot of time such a master will lead the disciples very safe mm. it does bring up again you know these ideas of what it is to have a guru to have that connection with a, a, a true master a sadguru as you describe it and one of the things i think in our culture still even though the idea of having a guru is not so foreign anymore as it was maybe 40 years ago there's still this idea i i certainly many people i know have as well as students on a path that there's an excitement in those first few years that sort of you've discovered something very special and then there's a maturity that sets in over time and they're settling into the path in a way that you realize after you have some insight that maybe you, you don't quite know everything <laughs> and over time those insights get transmuted into deeper understanding as a master and guiding students around the world what do you find is the most important quality of a student when you a student comes to you well it is said when a person is thirsty searching for the water fountain when person is hungry then searching the food store and when the person is cold is searching a warm corner or a fire so similarly when the aspirants has a longing to know and be guided then will find the master and when you once come to master and learn something that is not everything because knowledge knowledge has no end the knowledge we cannot measure with the centimeters kilometers or kilograms so every time when you meet your master is like battery is recharging and you learn further more therefore the master is very much needed for guidance there are certain masters knowledge which you learn and then may you need not to go 
like a driving la- master <laughs> music master or a singing master even the best singer in the world they again and again go to their singing master again and learn something new mm-hmm. but in the spirituality we need the master not only in this physical world but also after this physical world when we pass away this time and we come to the astral level then we need that energy and guidance of the master and be sure the master is who will lead us or guide us or protect us throughout entire universe Well, I certainly want to come back to that point. We're going to take a short pause and listen to Abhajan, and we're going to come back to that relationship and uh, explore it a little bit more. You're listening to Dirty Point. My name is Ron Vellen, and we'll be back in a few minutes right after this. That was a kirtan with Swami Shivananda Radha, who established Yasodhara Ashram here in the BC uh, countryside, and she was chanting Hari Om. We're back with Paramahansa Swami Maheshwarananda, also known as Swamiji. And when we took our pause to listen to Swami Radha, we were listening to, we were talking about, we started off talking about Kundalini, and when we went to explore studentship and that relationship, we had a very special relationship with the Master. And just before we paused, you mentioned how important it was that that relationship carries on beyond the physical world. And perhaps we could start off there. You could uh, say a little bit more about that relationship and how it carries on. Because we hear these things that there is this eternal, semi, or sense of eternal relationship oh. with our gurus. And what if you could uh, talk a little bit more about that? Yes, thank you. Again, we are here. I'm very surprised. Uh, impressed by the name of your station called Drusty Point. <laughs> and uh, that's very beautiful. You know, the Drusty, Jesse Drusty versus Rusty, we used to say. So Drusty means your visioning, your view in this world. How you will look in this world like that you will feel and you will be. So we shall point our concentration, our self to the divine point, divine view. Master is not only physical. Of course, without his physical presence, we cannot get that learning teachings. That's why yoga is known as living, living spirituality. There is a master to disciple, and this relation of the master and disciple is a very subtle form with the light wisdom. So, for example, here is light burning, and you are sitting here, and you get the light. But you think now is enough, and you are going in other room. The light is not there. So it means constantly we. 
should be in touch in connection with that light of the wisdom of the master mostly nowadays the people make a big mistake they come to a master they learn everything the records the rights and then off they go they say now i don't need a master i am the master it means from that minute or seconds or the day the spirituality of that disciple is getting slowly slowly dim and be sure that disciple will not achieve that supreme consciousness or higher consciousness so it's a eternal relation and it is unchangeable inseparable when once you come to master and get a blessing then that light of the master touch to your heart is ever with you doesn't matter where are you and that's what i in beginning said also the master is not only physically if your master you met him for one minute and then the your master gave up his life still for you he's living he's guiding you innerly so that's called guru tatva and that's what in mantra said guru brahma the guru is a creator he's creating within us the beautiful inspiration visions feelings to come to the truth guru vishnu and he is a protector he is protecting us from all the negative energies guru brahma guru vishnu guru devo maheshwara and he is the highest one maha ishwara the liberator the shiva means consciousness shiva means liberation shiva means beauty and shiva means the truth satyam shivam sundaram mantra said guru sakshat par brahm and that guru tatva is the highest the supreme above brahma vishnu and mahesh tasmay shri guruve namaha and therefore i pay my adoration again and again to my master so master is not that you just change i read you one you read one book and put it away and then you take the second book is not like that it is many many lives relations you have to that master master will find you you will find a master don't worry in next life you will be again with your master and when you will see that person or a master immediately your heart will say yes that one is there's no language there's no explanations automatically you know when there are thousands of sheep or the goats and their babies are in one field and when mothers comes home every baby immediately finds their mother and so is that every person finds their master when they see is melting through and through in our culture this word master is used pretty much everywhere in a lot of different ways yeah. it's almost taken over from the word guru which was That's used right. for everything of course the master is the translation of the guru gu means darkness and ru means light 
He who leads you from the darkness of the ignorance to the light of the knowledge. So that's your master. So you can say music master, music teacher or master, the singing master, the driving master, the electronic master, the mechanics master, who is giving you the knowledge that is your guru. So Sanskrit word guru and English you can say master and maybe you can say just teacher, but teacher is a too less word for you. You have to have no the word master. You know, there were two questions that popped up, and I think the one that I want to explore more, the first one was to explore more this idea of what it is to be a master, but I think the word that came from out of that for me was moksha. Can we talk a little bit more about, you know, this idea of liberation, this often is treated as a as a destination <coughs> but really it is is a whole other birthing in some ways and i'm wondering if you could if it's possible to talk about liberation but this idea that often as students there can be this idea that as soon as i'm liberated all my problems will go away i you know everything will be everlasting bliss da 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 da, da. and yet when you when i have had a chance or other people have talked about their actual experience or talk to people who have attained it, they, there's a whole other insight that comes when you realize that there's a whole other process that takes place when liberation comes. Can you talk about that? Yes, uh, that is a very, very uh, beautiful and important questions you asked for people especially who is listening and who is on this path. Uh, we should not forget the time, though time is not existing. There is no time. As we human, we put this into the time. But still, that if one thinks that I attain the moksha, liberation, then two things happens, one of the two things. Either one will very soon leave this world or continue the life, but it means with every breath you create some karmas. With every thought you create some karmas. With every step you create some karmas. Doesn't matter good or bad. But still you are doing, eating, drinking, sleeping, walking, talking. So it's like, for example, this table where we are sitting at a beautiful, nice, clean table. Evening you cleaned very nicely, signing. Morning you come and there's a dust on it. So similarly to exist in this world of temptations, world of... Uh, uh, illusions and so on there is again karma coming and collecting so you cannot say now I am completely liberated and I am bliss, I am divine, I am happy yes you are bliss, divine and happy everyone but my dear be careful <laughs> so mostly what we call the moksha or what we call the brahmagyana reveals at the last minute of our life. Of course, 
lot of spiritual energy consciousness many things divine things happens through the presence of the person who is enlightened are called on the path to the moksha came nearer that's true but still we are collecting collecting the karmas good karmas will go to those who are singing your glory or thinks good about you bad karmas will to go will go to them who is thinking bad definitely this person when will go out from this world will be liberated now moksha means uh free from the cycle of birth and death for a person moksha means not a heaven nor a hell because yogi says heaven is limited and hell is also limited but the aim is that cosmic consciousness which is unlimited there's no limitation so hell or heaven is just two small rooms in your big property it's almost like every idea we have of where we're going is limiting that's right you said something that i wanted to just clarify you said um whether we're thinking something good and i'm paraphrasing here or we're thinking something bad will determine our karma and i think that's something that is often not talked about is that is where karma begins you know and in our physical form uh, would you say it's accurate that it begins with our thought not even our action i mean is it something that you would say starts even at that point well karma is very close related with our destiny and our destiny is the fruits or result of our karma now as individual soul experiencing different times either on physical planet or in astral world constantly aware about destiny what's happening and know why it is happening with me in astral world we know why from which karma this comes then that destiny leads us to the physical world means either in mother's body or in the eggs now that time of embryos is already beginning the karma that you are existing now in something and you are consuming now something as soon as you begins to consume is your karma begins it means the debt which you must pay back you consume energy of your father and mother and you are obliged to pay back them during this life therefore take care of your parents love them 
and be with them at least on the last minutes when they are not healthy they need you our special guest paramahansa swami maheshwarananda so the karma we are here again we are here again yes so the karma begins already when we enter in this physical planet and then the karma begins we do karma with four things that's called in tan man bachan and dhana tan means body man means mind bachan means the words and dhan means through your social power or through your money or wealth power anything you do through this it is counted as your karma good or bad and that will prepare your next life so a great tulsidas in holy book ramayan said pralabd pehle racha pise rasa sharir the first is created pralabdha and pralabdha is created through karma pralabdha pehle racha first created pralabdha the destiny and then will be given you the next birth which form of the life you will come must not be that one is born as a human it can go in different words and therefore humans should follow the dharma yes so that was my next question that was coming out of my tongue of my mouth so let's talk a bit about dharma because there's a lot of emphasis sometimes in the popular literature about good karma mm-hmm. and yet the teachings don't we want to try not to create too much karma good or bad so uh-huh. let's talk about dharma yes these two things are very important dharma and karma well the dharma has three meanings generally when we speak about dharma then people understands nowadays a religion hindu dharma jewish dharma christian dharma muslim dharma so dharma people count as a religion and of course it's a good because religion is the truth so dharma <coughs> sorry the second part of the dharma means the right houseness it is opposite to the bad things dharma and adharma dharma will lead you to the liberation or heaven let's say and adharma will lead you to the hell or to the darkness therefore dharma says that you should not destroy or violent or kill any creatures and that's why dharma speaks that as a human you should be one who doesn't eat the meat and this because animals are tortured they are killed then it is a dharma rakshita rakshitaha if you protect your dharma dharma will protect you it means that 
if you cannot prob- uh, protect the environment, the environment cannot protect you. If you cannot pro- protect your eyesights, your eyesights cannot protect you. So dharma of the eye, to see the clearly. So dharma of the fire, to give heat. Then the dharma means obligation, a duty. The dharma of the father and mother towards children, the dharma of the children towards parents, dharma of the husband towards wife, the dharma of the wife towards the husband, and the dharma towards our world, our society, and towards other creatures. So if we do wrong, opposite, then it's a dharma. Therefore, dharma and karma, these two are very close moving. But dharma is certainly not good karma, which no. I think sometimes is misunderstood or confused. No, dharma is not good karma, but dharma is a quality of that good karma. Hmm. For example, you give someone, hungry person, food. Now that you need a good dharma. Hmm. That's a good karma. So dharma, do some dharma, give some poor one, hungry one, protect. Your acting selflessly for benefit of entire planet is the dharma. Hmm. And if you follow your dharma, you don't create too much karma. That's right. You don't create too much negative karma. Right. Very good. So there's two, dharma, adharma, papa, and dharma. Pap means the sin, dharma means the good. Mm. You know, it brings up another question, you know, as we talk about dharma and good karma and so on. The, this uh, mantra that I read in your book, uh, Lila Amrit, which is the story of your guru's guru. Yeah, Bhagavan Sri Deep Narayan Mahaprabhuji. Yes. And my grandmaster who lived in Rajasthan, and he lived 135 years. Mm. A great saint. Yes. There's a, a mantra that is written there that I I loved, and I think for many reasons. It's Brahma Satya Jagat Mitya. God is the truth. The world is illusion. I The reason why it struck me, I think, is that there's this, um, you know, one of the things that comes up on the spiritual path is how we relate to the physical world. Um, some people mention things that the world is illusion, and yet... We have to treat it, or at least that's my question, how do we treat it then as there is a sense of it being real on one level? So how do we balance those things with the understanding that it's illusion, and yet we need to interact in the world, just like you and I are sitting here talking? Yes, uh, this mantra is known as Mahavakya. And this Mahavakya is coming from Vedas. Aham Brahmashmi and uh, Om Shoham, Ayam Atma, and so on. The essence from this is the teaching of the Vedanta philosophy. And after that, all realizing, finally it is said, <coughs> Brahma Satya Jagat Mithya. Mithya means uh, uh, dualism. Mithya means not reality. Hmm. This life is like a dream. 
what we are doing now after some minutes it will be like a dream mm-hmm. gone so what is not permanent is called mithya what is changing is called unreality and what is not changing is the reality mm. so everything what we see with our physical body we can smell touch see all this is changeable from our childhood we are observing this world and even our body is changing it doesn't remain on the same point therefore this world is illusion changing but the one who is observing constantly that one is reality the truth mm. you go to the dream this world disappears you come from dream here this world appears and dream disappears but who was the dreaming there and now who is here and say that i was dreaming mm. so that non changeable eternal immortal everlasting that is a brahman and practicing aim of the yoga aim of this uh, vedanta philosophy and which yoga and daily life also teaches leads according to my grand master bhagwan sri deep narayan mahaprabhu ji and you read in his lila amrit book which is in yoga and daily life center here you can get it mm-hmm. brahma shakti jagat mithya therefore concentrate on that brahman do not suffer for this material world that's only meant for our life to live and earn good karmas and through the master's guidance come to the brahma gyana to the knowledge of the supreme you know when we come to the question of perceiving uh call it a truer reality that strikes me as perhaps in one form or another perhaps the biggest gift of a master to a student is that ability for the student to be encouraged to see beyond that when you are encountering your students what do you find in your encouragement of your students and your teaching of your students and helping them break through ego and trying to see through to that truer reality what do you feel having been a student and continuing hmm. to be a student of your master and your master's master you know having been on both in both that relationship of being a student and also a master yourself what do you feel is the most value in that relationship in terms of the learning you receive and also the learning you're giving i see the giving is the most beautiful things it's indescribable let's say you go to the apple tree and apple tree is giving you the apple and the seed inside will grow again and give further the apple what feeling does the apple tree has when she offers you that one fruit fall down and you take it you pick up and you eat that's like uh, a mother gives milk to the hungry child how does she feel like that so like this master see a uh, oneness in his disciples and he feels this urge to give them 
this divine nourishment known as the wisdom that they will not suffer any more in hunger of the ignorance and will be satisfied forever into the oneness of the brahman fortunately it's a beautiful way to end and unfortunately we need to conclude in a minute or so thank you so much for sharing that and for helping to clarify some of the you know the questions that come up i think for many students who have been established on a path for a while and perhaps even students who are not on a path yet I want to just take a moment or two to wrap up and just mention a couple of things that are happening. I know you've been here for the last few days. Tonight is your final lecture yes. at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lecture with meditation at uh, the Space Center Auditorium at 1100 Chestnut, St- Chestnut Street, Street in Vanier Park. And it's at, I said 7 p.m., and it's $15. And you are also going to be here for another day or so. But he then is tomorrow. I will be also here. Uh, tomorrow we have also the one lecture. And it is called the Fairware Satsang meetings because I'm going to New Zealand now from yes, here. Yes, yes. So tomorrow we'll be in Yoga and Daily Life Center. And what is the address of the Yoga and Daily Life Center? 223 West Broadway. 223 West Broadway. So that yeah. is the Yoga and Daily Life Center. Thank yes. you. And I wish to all the dear brothers and sisters, the listeners, at least through this radio, Drasti Point, I wish you, first of all, good health, happiness, peace, and harmony in your life, spiritual development, God protect you and your families, and may God bless you with the divine knowledge. Dear brothers and sisters, thank you for listening. I hope something became clear to you, and if something was not, I'm sorry. Forgive me if the words you didn't like. Thank you. Thank you, Swamiji, and God bless you as well. Thank you. My name is Ron Valen. Thank you for listening to Drifty Point today, and we wish you a great evening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Drishti Point. We dedicate our efforts to the health and happiness of our listeners and for the health and happiness of all living beings. <laughs>